Kruisor. Hello and welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. First class cricket has begun again and hopefully recreational cricket won't be too far behind. This week we mark the season of the 175th anniversary of Maesteg Cricket Club with ex-England and Glamorgan seamer Steve Watkin and long-time player with the club Steve's brother Jeff. So let's jump right in and hear what they had to say. Okay, so it's a very warm welcome to the podcast uh, to uh, the two Watkin brothers, Jeff and Steve. Steve will may, may well be familiar to Glamorgan supporters, ex-player and uh, current coach of the second team. Have I got that right, uh, Steve? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I kind of manage and coach the second team. And I've, I've, um, I've been in, well, involved in coaching with Glamorgan since I retired. So I did the academy. Uh, I then did the second team for a while. Then I moved up the first team as bowling coach and and then uh, I've I dropped back down to the second team for the last four or five years, which uh, you know, which has been great, really. Okay, um, and Jeff, uh, welcome to you as well. Good evening. Um, now, a significant year this year for uh, Mystead Cricket Club, uh, 175th anniversary. Yes, that's that's right. This is going to be hopefully a very big year for the club. Uh, hopefully, COVID's not going to intervene at all. So, oh. yes, we've got quite a few things organised. OK, so, well, we'll have a chat about those uh, a little bit later. But for now, um, c- can you tell us a little bit about w- when the club was formed and how it was formed and a little bit perhaps about uh, the place, my steg as well? Yeah, well, the club was formed in 1846. It was created by the Ironworks for, well, they say call of staff, I think it's for, probably for the gentleman of the, the Ironworks. And... The ground was given by a local farm owner, first owner John Carpenter, Fussell Apandy, till 1889. And you know, after that, the Tennessee was held by the North Navigation Collieries. So obviously that went up to the First and Second World Wars. After the Second World War, obviously during the wars, the clubhouse was, well, I think people used to use it for wood to put on their fires. So... The club went to good use during the war. So, yeah, so then after that, then I think the, the Cobo took over after the, the World Wars and they built the first proper clubhouse and which the material is given to or supplied by uh, the North Navigation Collieries, uh, which then built the first clubhouse we ever had for, I think, approximately £200, which I'd imagine in the, the 40s was quite a lot of money. So, so then it was taken over by the coal board as the national coal board after the second world was as it is now. Um, and my stake bought it for in the 60s or 70s for £1,500. So that kind of brings it up to where we are in the 60s or 70s. So, so has the ground always been at exactly the same place in the town? Yeah, all the same place. Obviously, we originally known as my stake cricket and tennis club. So... There's a swim pool there now. There used to be grass tennis courts there. And has the cricket club be, uh, been sort of completely uninterrupted apart from the World Wars, as far as you remember? Yeah, no, never, ne- never stopped. Always been a cricket club there. I think it's in, I think, part of the deeds. As long as there's, there's a cricket team in my steak, um, there will always be a cricket field there. So it can never be taken away for any reason whatsoever. So, yeah, it's never, only the two World Wars that stopped. 
Yeah, I, I was wondering, Jeff, what, what uh, with regards to the um, pavilions, obviously there's a nice photo you've got of uh, a pavilion after the war, which uh, which was obviously... That's still... a pavilion across £200. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I don't know if you, you can't see that on a podcast, but um, that looked a really nice pavilion. I just wondered when that was uh, knocked down, because when I remember when I first started playing... Um, it wasn't as nice a pavilion as that. I think the, the pavilions, it must be the fourth carnation, reincarnation of a pavilion at this present time, I think, which obviously would, is a nice club yeah, at the moment. Yeah, probably. They used to be the, well, I, uh, probably 60s or 70s, it was a bit of a problem, because it was a prefab, yeah. like a prefab slot together, a tongue groove type of pavilion, wasn't it? The pavilion I was, um, when I first started playing, basically uh, a tin bar, wasn't it, I think, with, with a couple of yeah. change rooms off that. So, uh, the, the present one is is you know pretty pretty good really. Let's bring this now to the Watkin family. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the two of you, uh, mum and dad, um, and other members of the family? Tell us a little bit about them and sport and how you got interested in cricket. I started playing cricket fairly late. We were footballers really, so I, I was always interested in cricket. Playing in in the in the back sort of yard on a tarmac stayed on the beach of course uh, but yeah I, my dad used to play a little bit for my stig when he used to play but he was mainly a footballer as well but you know I decided I, I wanted to go out and play cricket somewhere uh, so originally we were going to uh, go to my stig Celtic Cricket Club but uh, my dad thought oh we'd, we'd drop in my stig town on the way over so so we did walked into the ground um, and as soon as I walked in, said I was interested in cricket. Uh, I was a 15 year year old. I was I was welcomed straight away. Uh, within I think two or three days, I was playing in junior cricket under 16 level. Um, by the end of that season, I, I was playing. I played a couple of games in the first team, uh, and then my stake were in the South Wales League uh, first division. So pretty high standard of cricket. So it was quite a um, a fast rise really to going from playing uh, junior cricket, of which I didn't play a great deal, uh, until I got in the first team. So that was uh, my progress. Um, Did you yeah, always see man. yourself as a bowler as well, Steve? Were you a bowler right Well, I, 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 yeah, I think if you start in as late as I did, 15-year-old, um, you, 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 you can be more, how can I say, you can be more naturally be a bowler than you can be a natural batter, I think. Uh, that would be fair to say. Um, so, you know, Copying someone off the TV was quite straightforward. I mean, I copied people who, who people like Richard Hadley, um, Dennis Lilly, um, Ian Botham, those sort of guys. So in my mind, I was them as I was bowling. Um, so I copied what they did, and they they all happened to have pretty decent technique. So uh, I was a culmination of all that, I suppose. Ultimately, I was myself, but the things they did uh, and I copied were good things to copy. So um, so I didn't get. Well, no coaching whatsoever until, apart from what my dad showed me how to hold a cricket ball, um, you know, away swingers and in swingers, that was about it, really. So it was quite a quite a quick rise from you know from not playing cricket at all to playing first team, and then the, the season. I, I think it was under seventeen. I played for Glamorgan second team. So within two years of actually starting playing cricket at all, and I, I think you can only do that uh, if you're a bowler. I think it's a lot more difficult for a batsman. I think batsmen need to start earlier. And Jeff, what about you and cricket? Well, I probably just got dragged along because my mother wanted to get me out of the house. So, yeah, obviously I went along with Steve just to watch. Uh, I would have been, I mean, 12, Steve? Are you three years older than me now? 10, I know. 10, 10 you would have been. 10, 5, I give you, give you an advantage there. So I was 10, so I didn't actually start playing until under-11s. At the time, my state had a really great youth setup. We had under-11s, under-13s, and uh, I think it was under-14s, 15s and 16s. So, you know, I used to travel along the first couple of years to watch Steve. 
in the old green minibus. My father used to take take the under 16s in the minibus to away games. So I used to just jump in the bus and have a bit of fun there. And then obviously when I started playing, we ended up in a, in a good side. We had a lot of good players. There's only two of us still playing as far as I'm aware. Now, me and Martin Wilshire still playing the first side. We started playing in the first team probably 85. Yeah, and I've been there ever since, to be honest. And what about other brothers and sisters? I, I know you have a sister who is particularly good at, uh, at sports. Yeah, she's probably the best sports person in the family. I have to say that. She had more caps than Stephen for a uh, for country. So I better get that one, that one in for her. But no, we've always been a sporting family. My, my father was a very good goalkeeper. You know, I, I will say Paul was a good footballer, but I just follow Steve, Steve around, to be honest. What have he done? I, I probably done the same as him. So, you know, we played in... I think we played in every sport inside together, me and Steve. So as in football, no, no not rugby, uh, football. So we, we played golf together. So you know, I've, I've been on this court things all these years. Mm-hmm. It's, fair, it's fair to say, though, Jeff, I, I think it's Chatham Linda. Hockey she played, I don't think you mentioned that. So, But she was, um, yes, yeah, so she had, I think she had 15 caps with Great Britain and over 100 with, with Wales. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no comparison with, with cap counts. But she was also actually a good footballer when she was younger. She used to play um, with, with the boys uh, before they I think, before there were any girls side around. So, yeah, pretty good all-around sportsman. Can you remember the first time you played for, for my stag? Yeah, I can remember the first, first team game I played. Um, I can, I, the under 16s, I think we played the first game I played under 16s or any competitive game with my stake was uh, against British Steel Company on a Tuesday night, 20 over game. And I think I was wearing, um, I, we didn't have, I didn't have any cricket boots. I, I'm so naive, I didn't know about spikes and things like that. So uh, basically, wore a pair of daps to, to run in and bowling. Um, and that was at a British Steel Company. I, I, I can't remember the result. What I do remember is. Uh, uh, it was a pretty decent side, and one of the players who played in that team was um, the chap called Jeff Bird, who, who went on to play for uh, my, rugby for my stig and Neath. So, uh, you know, that, that, he was a very good sportsman as well. I think he probably could have gone either way. They're very good cricketer. Um, so, the first first team game I played was at Gowerton, uh, down Gowerton, and I remember they're very good side people like Edward Bevan, who, who's, who's uh, uh, radio commentator for the last fifty years. And I, I and I found the pace all very quick. Uh, I, th- I I found the spinner, uh, you know, rushed me a little bit. I wasn't much of a batsman. Not much, I was never become much of a batsman. But yeah, it was all a little bit quick. And you know, your bad balls got it before. Even that. Even then, every level you go up, it it it, it takes a while to get used to it. I mean, you you'll find that going to second team cricket, first class cricket, and the little bit of test cricket I played too. It takes time to adapt to each level. But um, yeah, that was it, Gowerton. Um, I think we lost the game. It was one or two games at the end of the. Uh, I think it was the 1980 season, off from off memory, which would have been my yeah my first first year there. Jeff, do you remember for you? The first game I actually remember was against Kimla um, towards the end of the season, end of the '84 season. Um, I was on 99. The wicketkeeper said to the bowler, "Bowler, why you don't want this young little swat to ever get and run?" So. And I just edged it with the slip for four, so I got a <laughs> It was the last ball of the game as well. So that game I do remember. You're saying, Steve, it, it was you noticed the difference when you went into the first team, and presumably it was quite competitive cricket. Um, did you have older players at the club that would try and kind of keep an eye on you and uh, and nurse you through those early kind of uh, experiences? 
Yeah, it's it's this. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll name a couple of few now, but I mean, it's 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 difficult saying names without naming everyone, really. But uh, a couple of guys who who you know was particularly helpful to me, um, Lyndon Lovett, who was the uh, a stalwart really with 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 my stake, uh, opening batter. He was very very good to me, very arm round the shoulder if I bowled a bad ball, that sort of thing. Um, Lloyd Davis, who who was. Um, uh, he, I think, yeah, he, he was the coach. I th- I'm not sure. I'm not sure he, if he had an award at the time, but he, he went on to get cricket awards. But he, he was the one who rang Tom Carter up and said, "I think we've got someone who can bowl a bit." Uh, he sent me down to see Tom Cartwright with uh, with Glamorgan, uh, uh, you know, at, at the time. Um, so I went into Neathindo Nets that winter, I think it was. Um, so he started the ball rolling for me, really. Um, but there's there's you know there's many number. Gwyn Richards was was uh, I think also at the club either 80, 81. Gwyn Richards played for Glamorgan as an off spinner bat there, played in uh, the nineteen ninety seven uh, Gillette Cup final. So he's quite well known uh, certainly in my state, but Glamorgan supporters will will know about him as well. Um, so yeah, J- J- Jeffrey Hopkins was another professional who who played there at at my stag in my in my earlier days. Uh, he'd been on the Middlesex ground staff, I think. Uh, he's the brother of John Hopkins. Um, so there's some really, really good players. Uh, Leighton O'Connor, who played uh, rugby for, um, I think, Maistig uh, and Aberavon, I think. Uh, but, you know, Maistig he mainly played for, um, played for Wales A as well. So a really good, talented, um, you know, bunch of, bunch of cricketers. I mentioned Jeff Bird earlier as well. So I like to go through the old team and mention everyone, but uh, <laughs> I can't remember them all, I don't think. Uh, any names that you remember, Jeff, from those that, that period? Well, sort Steve of Vassal, the, the I played, sorry. I played with basically the same lot because as Steve left, I was getting to an age, and I say two years later, I was coming to the same side. And uh, yeah, Jeff Bird, obviously. Well, we grew. I grew up in the side with Jeff Bird, Martin Wilshire, Jeffrey Hopkins, who's just leaving. You forgot Chris Ellis, Steve. Uh, he was an odd one, um, but yeah, I so didn't forget then, him, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> nobody could forget him, could Um so yeah, she had that Lee Morgan come in then, and um, we used to be a, a bowler. So that sort of base the side went on for quite a few years. And Lyndon, I say, uh, just to say what Steve said, Lyndon, lovely guy, do anything for anybody uh, since Leighton. So you know, I played in basically the same side, which really went to the end until we started making a new side. And, and what have been the great sort of successful either seasons or periods? For the club, uh, with since your association with it, Jeff. Well, for me, well, promotion in 1990s the first division. Um, that was a good season. Well, when they were still pro, still professionals playing. So the standard Steve Tassel, you know, I you know for Steve, who was probably a lot more talented than myself. Um, when we went up to the first division in 1991, we were playing against West Indian professionals, Pakistan professionals, you know. It was a very, very good quality cricket. 97 then, there's another promotion year back to the first division, or 96, 97. 2013 then was another good year, so I took over as captain of the club, and we won the league. Um, very enjoyable, great bunch of boys. We had Sten starting to play. This is how long Sten must have been playing. 2016, when you know, we were a third division club, and we won the league cup, which you know, is probably the biggest cup we can win in the league. Uh, and we beat, you know, we, we had the Premier League sides playing, Premier League 1, Premier League 2. And we beat a couple of the Premier League sides on the way to the final. And 
and then we then we beat Ponte de Lice on their own ground. So against everything, you know, both sides had a lot more talent, had a lot more money, and we used to drag players out of bed on a Sunday morning to try and play a teach a trainer a cup game. So that was probably a really good season because what we went through to get and it was all you know everybody's into it, it's all in together and we it was a team, really team effort. So Steve, I mean from what are we talking about? Maybe 86, 87, you're moving away from my stag and getting into the uh yeah moving towards your first class career. Did did you keep in touch with the club and what was going uh, on? Yeah there? I mean, yes, yeah, so I've, 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 I've never left the club, uh, to be honest with you. Um, my career, as you said, I, I started in 1980. Uh, I was still playing for Meistig until I got into the first team full-time. There was, a, there was a couple of years when Glamorgan allocated you out, which I didn't really, I didn't want to be allocated to another club, but I, you were allocated. I was injured, I can't remember what year, prob- probably 1998-99. I went back and played, played a, a game uh, just to get a few overs under my belt. Um, and you know, the, the, one of the things which was a nice gesture by the club, they made me a life member. Um, I'm not sure what you were probably in the, in the 1990s at some stage, but also made me president again, and I'm still president now. So I've never uh, lost my association with the club really. So it's been an ongoing thing, and um, obviously in, in the 175th year, I'll, I'll do what you know what I can to help out where, where I can really. So um so i don't think that that's ever going to change i just want to mention a couple of names of stalwarts over the years i just wrote them down we missed out getting jones jeff who's been a, a stalwart of the club yeah he's been he, he played with me um right from the start in 1980 and i think he was playing just till a couple of years ago but he's, he's done everything really chairman um secretary i think he's done everything jeff hasn't he and he's also yes and he's um, played for just just a couple of years ago he passed a 400 Wonder game mark against Langena. Uh, there you go. Okay, so he played games. first team games on a Saturday. Yeah, that's a fine effort. The other, the other one I want to mention just <laughs> was Roy Davis, left arm spinner. I mentioned Roy because uh, again he was a fine bowler in in my early days uh, in in the eighties, and he's he's also around watching Glamorgan cricket all the time as well. So uh, really good supporters of my stake and and Glamorgan. Um, I always hesitate to ask this. Are there any stories that either you remember from uh, from my stag club cricket days that you're uh, that you're allowed to? Well, I have written down. You, you mentioned in your email stories. I put down one second tell. So I got to give Kevin Kevin Dix the mention, right? He's one of the great supporters of the club. You know, he, he used to be. We call him a physio, but he used to follow us everywhere. Uh, he's Down syndrome boy, right? But he was absolutely fantastic with everybody, and with the women, with the blokes, do anything for Eddie, he'll always be happy, always be smiley, and he loved the club to bits. He'd be down there at past 11 in the morning with a bag of chips and leaving after his four pints of Guinness when he's allowed to go home. Jeffrey mentioned a guy called Chris Ellis um, earlier. Uh, he, he was in the first team when I was Very talented, very talented player. Uh, one of the funniest things that happened on a, on a cricket field when, when I was there. <laughs> Uh, he's a right-handed batsman, a uh, bit of a bit of a striker. Would do quite well in T20 format these days. And for some ridiculous reason, one day he decided to play left-handed. Um, so he, he turned around to start batting left-handed and and played pretty much the same way as he played right-handed. <laughs> whacked the ball and 
I, I, he's kind of ahead of his time, if you like. I mean, what he was doing was reverse hitting, but I'd never seen that before. And uh, that was the first time I've ever seen anyone, you know, looking back, doing something a la Kevin Peterson. So you, you could argue that he was the, the you know, the forebearer of that particular shot. But he was uh, he was a bit of a character, um, but a ta- talented player. But um, I mean, you mentioned Chris Ellis there. I don't know if you remember this. I was watching. There was a game he was batting in. He used to wear um, a little white cap, didn't he? Mm. And this cap came off. So he batted on without the cap. Now it's Chris Ellis. And I always remember, I don't know why, but he's running around the ground. He went for two and his wig fell off. So he's batting. Nobody knew until that time. He used to wear a You didn't know he had a wig? No, well, nobody knew he had a wig. It came off. <laughs> While he's batting, I said, Alex, just come back to me. Is that uh, why he never had a show up? He was flapping. No, he's flapping when he's winning. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's yeah. too. Pop back in my head. Yeah. So, and I watched him. So, yeah, he, he was a, he was a, Chris Ellis was a character. He was a character. Um, I was going to say, gents, my, my stag, the place must have uh, undergone a lot of changes over the last sort of 40, 50 years. Uh, has the cricket club been uh, part of the community and gone through all of those changes with everybody living there? I think the businesses in the town have been on decline for, you know, there's no mines there now anymore. So we've got, we've got a little industrial park there. So I think it hasn't grown. It's stagnated as a town. It's probably the same now right, as it probably was in the 70s. After the decline in the mines, I think you had Revlon, that's now shut. As a town, it's probably declining. It's probably reflective. You look at the, um, the number of... Um... Young cricketers playing. I know, as Jeffrey mentioned, when we started, probably four junior teams. I'm not sure, four or five it went to. But I think there's, there, is there a junior side now, Jeff? There's, no, we have started one we back up. So, yeah, so that, that's, that's, that shows there's, you know, the old areas declined a little bit. But, you know, hopefully, you know, we're all working towards, you know, putting a junior team back in the park there to supply, obviously, my stake town with the, with future cricketers. We have used the All-Stars over the last few. Obviously, last year we couldn't. But we seem to have a good uptake of children coming there with their parents for the All-Stars. Hopefully, one of the bad things out of this pandemic is people have been stuck inside so much. They don't want to get out. They want to do something. They want to do some sport uh, instead of sitting in front of TVs and game stations. So hopefully, we will see this year and over the next couple of years, children wanting to play cricket and play sport again. Is football still a big kind of a pull away, away from cricket? Does that still, you know, kids choosing that game rather than the game of cricket? Uh, well, I, uh, yes, yeah, I think that's reflective in, in, you know, all of cricket, Glamorgan cricket, uh, cricket all over this country. Um, I think the problem we've got is uh, academies are starting younger and younger, rugby academies, football academies, and they, they, they get their players, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 sometimes, and, you know, they get pulled away from the other sports. Um, I'm a great believer in this, something which uh, which I did, was to play as many, you know, as much sport as you can when you're younger and then make a choice if you're good enough a little bit later. But it seems the talented footballers or the talented rugby players, you know, they, they get pulled away into their sport too quickly and, and perhaps don't have a go at cricket, you know, which is our loss, really. I mean, our job is to, to, is to get these young players... Uh, get them interested and, and then get them into junior sides as quickly as we can before they, you know, they go off uh, and have to specialise in, in the rugby or specialise in, in, in football. 
Yeah, man, cr- cricket itself is very good at letting people, if they enjoy playing football or rugby, um, you know, I know our, our junior players can go and play their winter sports if they wish. Uh, uh, we, we actually actively encourage that because we think, you know, c- across sports there's a lot to, to learn from each other. Um, it's certainly the way I came through a system. Uh, I was a goalkeeper, I think it was Welsh League level. So, and I, f- I found that helped me with regards to the agility required in fielding, so to speak. Um, I, I played a bit of rugby, um, you know, I, you know, all those things, a little bit of tennis, all those things helped to, to become the cricketer I became. Jeff, you've uh, had a long association with the club. You've moved through it from being a player to being a captain of the first eleven. Um, and presumably a, a lot of other involvement as well. What's been part of the club meant to you um, in your adult life? It's not you know, social, really, is it? You know, it's, it's meant a lot. I've got a lot of good friends there, you know, lifetime friends. It's always been there in the good times, the bad times. In our lives, we all have ups and downs. You know, I, you know like I say, Marty Woods is probably one of my best mates. And if I had something to turn to, it's always cricket. You know, you, you could go play cricket, you forget about everything in life. Yeah, the, the club's there in my heart. Like I said, I've been second to the club. I've now become vice chairman of the club. I love the club. It's, it's, it's ingrained in my blood, I think, now. So it's it's meant a lot. It's, over the years, it's meant a lot. It's, it's been a great place to go. It's a great pastime. It's, you know, it's everything, really. And, and Steve, how important for you was it that you kept a connection with the club? And now that you're back... Uh, involved, uh, albeit as, as president and perhaps not hands-on, but important for you to stay in touch. Uh, very much so. I mean, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have got to where I am today without, obviously, first and foremost, going to my state to play cricket. Uh, who knows what, you know, how things would turned out had I not gone to play um, that night, gone over to my state to knock on the door and ask, can I, you know, can I join your club? Um, so I've always been thankful for that. I mean, thankful for quickly been recommended to to you know Glamorgan uh, very very early in 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 a career and uh, you know thankful for the the players and the, the the sort of members who were who've always supported me throughout my career um every time i uh, if, if i've gone up a level i th- i think you know Test cricket would be one. I'm sure quite a few other the TVs turned on and actually went to the you know when I played a little bit of test match cricket so you know, and I still keep in touch with players. As I said, now people come to watch the, watch the game in, in Cardiff when when you know when Glamorgan are playing there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it like Jeffrey said, it's, it once it's ingrained in you, it's ingrained in you, and it's, that's not going to change. Um, you know, I, I I guess I could have done a bit more for the club over the years, but it's it's very difficult when you're you're involved with um, at the professional level as I am with Glamorgan for for all these years. Uh, to find the time, but you know, hopefully, I'll, I'll put a little bit back in as my time lessons uh, in a coaching capacity with Glamorgan. So there's still plenty of time yet to put a little bit back in. I mean, hopefully, further down the line, junior clubs will will evolve at, at the club again, and you know, perhaps I can you know have a little bit of input then, help out on the coaching side there, whether it be from a consultancy point of view or or, or getting my hands uh, you know getting stuck in myself. So um, yeah, I, I see that as. Uh, part of my downtime when I retire I think maybe get a jump on the roller that kind of thing I'd, I'd actually love to do that just to sit in the roller on a, a hot sunny, sunny afternoon I'm sure Jeffrey's done it but uh, cut the lawn or something like that so Lawrence Williams ended up as groundsman at Anasagaron so um, there's there's form there for uh, ex-players coming back to look after the pitch yeah I, I, I just love um, you know obviously we're in uh, mid-March now so the season's around the corner uh, the smell of freshly 
cut grass. I mean, the, the sun's shining. It just, uh, you know, it's just a, a lovely time of year. Uh, once we start playing, though, the recent years, it hasn't been so good. But <laughs> so there we are. Uh, and Jeff, what plans has the club got for, for this this year? Oh, we, we've got lots of plans. Uh, you know, we, we play in Wales over 50s in May. We, we play in the MCC this year. We got we play in them in June. Uh, these are already confirmed. We'll have a past and present game in August. We're also playing a, a Belindra side for a, for a cancer charity. And then obviously there's possible games then, possibly Glamorgan. It's, we've got a quicker week. And we possibly playing the South Wales Cricket Association side. Yeah, from my, yeah, from my experience of a professional level, even at professional level, things and goalposts are being moved off the time due to the obviously to the pandemic. So it must be you know really difficult for for club sides to put things in place. But you know, hopefully, the, I think it's a dinner in September as well. Jeff planned, isn't it? Yeah, dinner September. So again, that, that's COVID allowing. That should be a you know a, a really good night out. So there's finger fingers crossed that uh, you know the vaccines work things calm down a little bit and uh, we can you know get back to some sort of normality in you know in all walks of life and uh, obviously cricket as well thanks both gents for for coming on to the uh, podcast to talk about all of that we appreciate it thanks ever so much no thank problem you, thank you very much thanks to jeff and steve for giving up their time to talk to us we are now with the cricket season underway hoping to bring you a podcast every week Join us next week for Cricket on Canvas, featuring interviews with England wicketkeeper turned painter Jack Russell and Cardiff-based artist Malcolm Murphy. Over the next weeks and months ahead, we're looking forward to bringing you more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. Oil Val, bye for now. Story you have need any. Macrosic Gisilti. A bossuch MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail.com. Nate, Elkin Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Nate, Intidalin Twitter at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email MWC pod nineteen twenty one at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.